Oh, Father in heaven, we just humbly bow here in your presence. And we continually thank you for being in the presence, Father. You are a God who, who wants to dwell with your people. You wanted to dwell with those who left Egypt. You wanted to, to dwell among them. You want to be a part of this family. You want us to be your children. What other God would want to do that? And we know there is no God, but all the imitators, the small g, the, the different realms, there are those that, that the people in ignorance worship, as Paul said there on Mars Hill. In ignorance you do worship these, but I show you the true God, the one that you said to the unknown God. Well, Father, we, we are glad that you want to be made known and to be a part of us. And Father, we just thank you for that fellowship that when we walk in the light as you are in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all sin. And we're just so thankful. We want to scream out and praise and worship you. And so, Father, today, your holy word, which is the breath of life that you have given to us, we pray that we can take it in, Father. We pray that we will inhale your word and that it will seep into every fiber of our being and then we can exhale out into the world life through it. So, Father, we just pray that we will be challenged by the things that we learn today. And we're so thankful for your son. We're thankful for your spirit and for your word that help us in this life. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you know, December's upon us. This is the first Sunday that we've we've had in December, and it's already here. And uh, you know, the end of the year is almost over. And it's been quite a year. A forgettable year on most cases. But you know, if you've ever been to a redneck party. <laughs> if you've ever been to a redneck party and somebody does something, what usually happens? Somebody goes, here, hold this. Hey, y'all, watch this. What if 2021 says, here, hold this, watch what I'm about to do? I've, I've got this, I, I got to tell you, I got this feeling in my spirit that we're, we're just beginning this thing. That 2021 is going to say, hey, y'all, watch this. If that's the case, we need some supernatural help, don't we? We're going to need some supernatural help to carry us through this thing. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to use the term that they have coined and I've heard tossed out, dark winter. I pray that we don't have a dark winter. I pray that... The Lord is light, and where he is, there is no darkness. And I'm praying that we're going to be in the light, and there ain't none. But there's going to be a lot of people that do not know the Lord, that this could be a dark winter. So we've got to get the light to him, but we need supernatural help. And the Lord loved us so much. That's what I want to share with you today. That the Lord loved us so much that he gave us some supernatural help. To go along with his word, he gave us something else. He gave us the Holy Spirit. 
And so what I want to do is I want to share with you this week and Lord willing next week about the Holy Spirit. Because again, when I sat down to write, I had a plan. I wanted to write and study and share with you on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted it to be from the beginning through the Old Testament and then to the uh, Christ, how he helped Jesus in his humanity and then how he helps us and what he does. And I had that outline ready and I sat down and that outline's still good for next week because we didn't make it there. But this is what the Lord laid on my heart. And so um, it says this. First thing he, he put me to, and I don't know why, was Ephesians chapter 6. That we're in a supernatural battle. That we need to armor up. You know, it, he said, what I want you to do is get prepared. You've got to be prepared every morning and every day before your foot hits the ground. It's important to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're not battling against flesh and blood, but we're battling against principalities and powers. We're, we're talking about rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is the battle that we are facing. It's not with each other. It's not with different sectors. It is a spiritual battle that we're in the middle of. And we got to be reminded daily to be prepared and to put that armor of God on so that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And he said, stand therefore, having your waist girded with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And you know what I found? I had to stop right there when I was writing because we're always saying put on. The word says having put on it's an expectation that before my feet hit the floor i am putting these things on and i have them put on so that as i enter into the battle for this day i've already got it on it's not uh-oh here comes the wave i've got to start getting and looking around for my my gird my waist and my breastplate and my helmet of salvation and my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It says, having already put on these things, now I'm going to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I'm going to get to the battle, and I'm going to take my shield of faith with which I can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, and then I'm going to go out and do this spiritual battle. And we only got one offensive weapon. Well, I take that back. We got two. The first one is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We got the word of God as our offensive weapon. And we've got prayer. And those are the two weapons that we have that is offensive that we've been given in this Christian age that we're in you know we're fortunate one of the things i wanted to share and we will touch on it in depth lord willing next week is that we are blessed in this dispensation to have the holy spirit and the full word of god you know those people in the old testament that we read about that faced all these things they didn't have that 
they didn't have the full word of God. It wasn't completed until 90 AD whenever Revelation was written by John. But they didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? We're going to study that next week. He was with them, but not in them. And it was only with certain people. And a lot of times, unless it was for a certain task that the Lord put it on there, then you had to ask for it. We'll read that the disciples, Jesus told them a couple of times, ask to receive the Holy Spirit for him to be with you. But we are told in this dispensation of the church age that by faith in Christ and when we are baptized into Christ, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. He seals you. He leads you if you don't grieve him or quench him. And so, and we have the entire word of God as a help that they did not have. Whenever Moses was out there in the wilderness, he wrote the first five books. They didn't have it all the way up till his time. Everyone in Genesis that you read about didn't have a book of the Bible to go by. God had to speak to those who were desperately seeking him, but they didn't have the written word. After that, Joshua going in, he only had what was written beforehand. He didn't have the Psalms. David hadn't come along yet. He didn't have Proverbs. He didn't have prophecies. He never had those things. We have everything that pertains to life and godliness, the word tells us. And so we are so much more blessed. But you know why we have that? Because the battle with us is so much more intense. In the first half, the battle was to stop the lineage of Christ from coming so that the devil doesn't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire prepared for him and his angels. It was on that lineage and trying to stop it. When Christ fulfilled it and he on the cross said, Tetelestai, it is finished. The intensification came now to us who are the ambassadors for Christ to stop the word and the message from going out and also to stop anything from happening in the prophecies of God what's going to happen because if he can prove God a liar then God is no longer God and he that's his only route to victory. And so the battle intensifies you didn't see all the spiritual activity until Christ was here that three years that you saw all of the things happening. Now it happens again because the devil knows that his time is getting short. If you look up there, mark it down. The Bible says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you. And having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And if that was short 2,000 years ago, it's shorter now. And it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow or next week. It might still be another 1,000 years. But he knows his time is short and he is after us. And for us to be able to withstand what is going on in life, we have to have some supernatural help. And praise God that about everyone that I'm looking at has named Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So you have that help. You've got the Word of God and you've got the Holy Spirit of God. 
And that's why we have him, because we are in the most intensified battle. Spiritual war is now upon the church because we are representing Christ and Satan hates Christ and he is dwelling in us. We have to get it through our heads that the world is going to hate us. If we are really in Christ and we really do what we're supposed to do, the world's going to hate us. And I know if you're like me, I have never wanted to be hated. I have never wanted to be disliked. I try to expend myself when I meet with people to do everything that I can to not want them to dislike me. And it really hurts and bothers me when I hear something like, man, they don't like you. They think this and that. And it really hurts. I've got to get it through my head that the world is going to hate you. Look what, look what Jesus said in Matthew 10. Beware of men. They will deliver you up to their counsels. And they're going to scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake. As a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. And brother will deliver up brother to death. And father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Do you not see that America is now entering into this kind of a spiritual warfare? Did you see that when they say we want to cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas that they're targeting you? And did you see where out in Oregon where they're really flipping out, that the governor put up hotlines and said if there's more than X amount of people meeting together for Thanksgiving, call this number so we can send the authorities out to them. Communist China killed, I hate to throw the number out because they're off, hand I don't remember it but it was more than 20 million I'm thinking it was closer to 60 million parents were killed in the Chinese communist revolution to put a heavy hand on them so that the rest would follow in line and you know where it started in the schools with the children and whenever they came to power they promise that you will be safe and blessed if you turn upon the, your mothers and fathers who do not want to go along with communism. And half of those Chinese teenagers killed their parents before the authorities to show and prove that they were on the communist side. That's what the word of God is talking about. The world hates us. It hates freedom it likes bondage and slavery the world is about that what the word of God is is about freedom and in freedom in Christ and Jesus said though that when you are mine the world will hate you and believe me they will start closing your synagogues your churches down your places of worship that's what that means 
They will start closing that down. They will start scourging you. You will appear before governors and before kings. It was the governor out there that put that edict out in Oregon. You will appear before them. Why? As a testimony to me. When times get bad, you have to endure to the end through what's going on. You've got to endure as a testimony to me. Because if there is no testimony to me, then they take over. I've told you about China and the young fellow that came to IU from there. He could not get the word of God there. He tried. He, he, his heart went towards God. I want to learn. They, they monitor everything. He could not order anything. He could not get anything about God in there. If there's no testimony about God given and the people don't respond, then it gives over to total darkness like that. And you can't have that. He says, I want you to be a testimony for me when things get tough. Know that it's going to happen. They will do this. But I make you a promise. He that endures to the end will be saved. Then the Lord goes on. In verse 27, whatever I tell you in the dark, whatever you hear from the word of God, whatever you hear in here, speak in the light. What you hear in your ear, preach from your housetop and do not fear those who can kill your body but cannot kill your soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And O flock of God, be warned. I pray that this does not ever happen in our watch. And with our children and grandchildren. I pray that this does not happen. But if it does, know that we have been warned that it can. And they will hate you. And you are to be a testimony. And that's going to be tough. I don't like pain. And I don't like confrontation. And I don't like suffering. But he says be a testimony to me. Don't fear the one. That says I can take your life. Stand up for the one. Who controls your eternal soul. And says I will bring you to me. And that's a promise. And then he said this in John 15. You're going to need help. <laughs> You can't do that on your own in your flesh because you're going to go back into that fleshly realm and, and, and draw back. And he says this in John 15. We're going to be now, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in John 14, 15, and 16 for most of the time and in Genesis 1. So that's all that we will be from now on pretty much. But Jesus said this. Here's the Lord in, in John 15, 18 and 19. If, and that's a first class condition, Condition, meaning that it is true. There's, there's actually four conditions in the Greek language so that, that you would understand. If and it's true, if and it might be true, it's basically up to you. If and it's not true, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, and, and you make a sarcastic statement. Well, they have it built into how the language is inflected. This one is an if, but it's true. He wants you to know if the world hates you, and it does, that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. 
but because you are not of the world and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We have to realize that they are not our friend. The world actually does hate us. I can feel it in my soul that these things are close at hand. As we assemble ourselves together, you know, there's another reason why the Lord said not to forsake that assembling of yourselves together uh, as the manner of some is. And you know what the next verse says? Not only as the manner of some is, but even the more so assemble yourselves together when you see the day approaching. When you see the times of trouble approaching, you need the assembly even more. And that's why I think the devil tries to drive the assembly away with things because the, the way a fire stays going is when all the sticks are together. If I've got my campfire going, as long as all the wood's together, the fire stays lit. But if I take one out and set it aside, it goes out and turns cold. And you keep doing that and then you have no fire. Assemble yourselves together and even the more so whenever you see that day approaching. And then the Lord said this, continued on down into verse 25 of this chapter. But this has happened, that it might be fulfilled which was written in their law, they hated me without a cause. And then Jesus began to tell them, since they're going to hate you and you're not of this world, he began to release the secret weapon that he's going to give. And he said in verse 26, But when the Comforter, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from my Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. You have to think this is the last week of his life. You have to think that Jesus is so sick and tired of the spiritual battle and the wagging of tongues and the deceitfulness and the lies and everything that has happened to him in his ministry for three years. And he tells them, I'm getting ready to go away. And they've hated me and they've pounded me and been after me. And they're going to you whenever I leave because you are mine. But when I go, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. He's going to come from my father and I'm going to give him to you. He's going to be called your comforter and he's going to be called the spirit of truth. And I am going to leave him with you in these final days when the battle intensifies and when the trials come. And the Lord, as he took on that body of flesh and came down from heaven in the form of a man and went through this thing of life so that he might be our high priest who is, can deal with our infirmities and our losses and our things. He, he tests proud what he's leaving with us. What he used in his humanity when he left the throne room and clothed himself like a man and tabernacled with us and became like we are, you know what he had to make it through all of his life and especially those last three years to the cross? He had 
the Spirit, the Word, and prayer. And that's the three things that we have for this battle. He left us. He tried. When, when he was baptized, when John saw him coming and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And he came and he convinced John to baptize him. You remember what happened. What happened? The heaven opened up, right? And the voice of God said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then what came down? The Spirit of God, like a dove, ascended. And he received the Spirit like we do. And then, do you know what immediately it says in the, in the next verses? After, after that scene closes, the next verse says, And immediately the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. We have been given that spirit like him to lead us into things. Even through temptation and trials. That's what he had. He was in prayer. He answered everything that the devil threw at him by the word of God. And he was being led by the spirit. And I want you to know that those are the supernatural things that we have as our help as well. The word of God is supernatural. It did not come from this earthly realm. It came from God who has been, who is, and who will always be. It is outside of this realm. It is for us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And prayer allows us to communicate supernaturally. Those are our three weapons in helping us to get through this. And then... He goes on, turn back one to John 14. And he says this, As I leave, I will not let you face this world alone. I will send to you the same helper that I have, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And then he, he had tried to explain it here in John 14 and verse 15. He says, If you love me, Amen. That's what he said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then I'm going to do what? I'm going to pray the Father. See, prayer, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit was all he had. And he says, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. I'm going to be taken away, and I'm going to leave you another helper that he may abide with you. How long? To the end, forever. The Spirit of Truth. I love that. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. He's, he's the one who God breathes that Word of God. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive. You see, you're special. The world cannot receive this Holy Spirit. Only you can. Because it hasn't seen Him. It doesn't know Him. But you know Him. For He dwells with you. And will be in you. And I want you to underline that. That's one of the things we'll talk about next week. If you see. Jesus says. He dwells or abides with you right now. But after I am gone. And the intensification in the church age comes. He will be in you. He was not given. We're going to read another passage that says. The Spirit had not been given as yet because the Lord had not been glorified. It's not until He is 
glorified and taken to the right hand of God that the Holy Spirit has given to us to abide within us. And he said this, I will not leave you as orphans. And that means without parents, without someone who is powerful and knowing who can oversee and help and take care of you. That is what he is leaving with us, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he dwells with you now to the disciples, but with us, he will be in you. He knew we needed supernatural help for the spiritual supernatural warfare that we're going through. He said, he will be with you forever. You, you've, you and I are special indeed. We are special. We are loved and we're given something that the world cannot get. The Holy Spirit of God. And I need to always learn that no matter where I am that I have that blessing. And that I don't need to always turn to myself and what I can do. But I need to rely on him and what he can do for me, through me, and with me by his power and by the word of God. I have to know that I have a helper and a comforter in this battle of life that we're in. And then, when, when did this Holy Spirit start with this ministry? The first ministry that I wanted to share with you is the ministry of restoration. The restoration project. The ministry of restoration is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Genesis 1.1. You know how long it takes for the Holy Spirit to get involved in things? Take, takes about four words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The word for God is plural. Elohim. If it was just God, it would either be El as singular or Adonai as the Lord. But it said God Elohim in the God-breathed word, which is plural, which means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all together at the fourth word of the Bible to say that when everything started, God, all three persons, was a part of this, creating the heavens and the earth. Well, God the Father, the word of God as you study it out, he was, he's the planner, the overseer, the father figure. God the Son was going to be the Lamb of God. There's a lot. He is the, the, also the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Adonai Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of the army of heaven. So he's got his role, but the Holy Spirit, his role is to search the mind of God, the deep things, and to reveal it to us in the word. And that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says. No one knows the mind of God except the Spirit of God, which searches out the deep things of God. And you and I, the world cannot understand the things of God and his word. But you and I can because you have the Holy Spirit within you because the word of God is spiritually discerned and so he helps you to understand and the world does not have that. But his first ministry is res restoration of what was. And, and I'm going to tell you it's been a long time since it's been a couple years since I taught in Genesis on the creation of the world. Those few that are still in here and are here right now that was there they they might remember 
it's been about three years, but those who are not, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'll study it with you, okay? I'll make you a promise. We'll study this one together. But you see the earth and the folks that get to my emails are saying, this wasn't in there. No, I'm just kind of going with the flow right now. But the earth was a ball of ice. You know, the Isaiah, I think it's chapter 45, says, I did not create the earth, tohu wavohu. And that means in verse 2, without form and void. Tohu wavohu is form and void. Not, lo, is the word. I did not create it that way. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Period. Something happened between. Verse 2, but the earth became. And that word for became means to turn into something that you were not. There is a word that means the same. Like in the Greek, it's aimi and genomai. Aimi means status quo. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God and was with God. That's that always has been. That's aimi. But the word became flesh, something that it was not before, and dwelt among us. That is genomai. So you've got words that tells you if something was always in its status quo or if something became something that it was not. And the earth became tohu wavohu, without form and void, desolate and nothing. And there was no atmosphere and there was nothing but darkness upon the face of the deep. The waters covered the earth, the deep covered the earth. And I shared at the time that in atmosphere, in space, like you could go to the moon. And when there is no atmosphere to hold heat in, when there is darkness, it's minus 287 degrees on the face of the moon. And when the sun shines upon it, within an hour, it will change to a positive 200 and some degrees. There is no atmosphere to protect it from the sun or to hold the heat in or whenever it goes away. So it constantly goes from extremely hot to extremely cold. And if the earth was covered by the deep and there is no light, there is no sun, and there is no heat, and there is no atmosphere, and it's minus 287 degrees, what do you have? You got a ball of ice. And then the restoration work. See, that's... that's it was something, it became something else, and it needed restored. And so the Holy Spirit of God then, some versions say that he moved upon the face of the deep. Some versions say that he hovered on the face of the deep. And that's really kind of what he did. Because the other use of this word is in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 32, where it talks about how as an eagle will hover and incubate its nest, to hatch that egg and to bring forth life, that that is what that word means for hovering. It means to hover over like the mother hen on the egg so that life can come from what was in that shell. And the earth was a shell. And I want you to know it was helpless. It was hopeless. It was without form and void and it could do nothing to save itself. But the Holy Spirit of God and the word for hovering is PL stem. And in the PL stem in the Hebrew, that's an intense stem. The cow stem is the regular stem. It's for the regular word. Let's 
when you learn Hebrew, it's like they use kapow because that's the word for kill. And you got kapow, katul, and all of these different stems that comes from it. Like you've got just to kill. But then you've got if if you did it to yourself, there's a subjective mood with it. So there's there's a pretext that goes with that. If you do it to someone else, there's an action word for that. You caused something to happen. In the PL stem, that's the intent stem, and that's like the Apache's got a hold of you. You were scalped. You was. It's like intense. This is the word for intensity. If you've got deep, that's thousands of feet of ice. You need something intense, and the Holy Spirit of God PL stem hovered incubated what is the holy spirit how did it appear in acts chapter 2 above the heads of those men and women who was in that room how did he appear you remember flames of fire the holy spirit symbol is as flames of fire and he came across and he heated and he incubated and he brought to restoration so that the earth could now become with form and no longer void he restored life so that it could now bring forth life. He restored it to a place where it's like. That's what he does with us. We are helpless. We are hopeless. And our hearts are dead. With no hope. No spirit. Until the spirit of God comes within us. And starts the restoration project of life. With us. And so his first ministry is restoration. And then he's your comforter. And he's your helper. As we go through this. And man, we got into that deep, didn't we? Well, let's get back to where we're supposed to be at. John 16. Come on back to John 16 with me. John 16. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit has not changed at all. It just got more things involved with it to go along with it. And in verse 1 in John 16, he says, These things have I spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. In other words, as he's been going in 14 and 15, he's been telling them the world hates you. They're going to do this. There's things that's going to happen. And he says, I've spoken these things to you so that when it comes, you don't stumble. You don't let it trip you up and fall. You, you don't get overtaken or surprised by it. They will put you out of the synagogues. You hear that? The places of worship. Yes, the time is coming that whosoever kills you will think that he offers God a service. Now, this is the Lord talking, not me. And I'm not saying it's going to apply. I'm just saying this is the word of God. And he says, these things they will do to you because they do not know the Father nor me, but the things that I have told you that when the times come, you might remember that I've told you this and I don't want you to stumble. And I've told you these things. And I didn't tell you these things at the beginning because I was with you. But I'm not going to be with you much longer. And I am going away. And now that I go away to the Father who sent me, none of you has been asking me where you're going and how you're getting there or, or what's happening. But all I see was your hearts are filled with grief. And I would have been too. They don't understand. He says, you've not been saying why, what? All I see is sadness and grief. But he says, look, it's for your advantage that I go away. This is all the plan of God. If I don't go, 
I'm not the Lamb of God. Sins don't get taken away and paid for. And the Spirit doesn't come to help you in the battle that's getting ready to be waged. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, verse 7. It is to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And I know many an evangelist and many of folks out there will take that section of Scripture and they will start coming after you. And they will pick out a couple of sins that they don't do, but they think's grotesque, so they'll throw them out and hope that it hits somebody and that they'll get somebody to feel guilty and respond. And I want you to know something. That's not what this scripture's about. Oh yes, it's now the ministry of God the Holy Spirit to convict of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. But it ain't what they tell you it is. You want to know what it's about? Let's go to the next verse. Before I do, I had an inter- intersection here. John 8. 44 he said before we get to that he told him there that you are of your father the devil the desires of your father you want to do those who do not know the Lord their father is the devil and you've got to realize that that what seems weird to us and why would they even be doing this it's because they are led by a different father because you're one of two You're the offspring of one of the two. And if you're not of God, you're of your father, the devil. That's Jesus' words to them. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, and there is no truth in him. So he's trying to tell us the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth on what the ministry of the the Holy Spirit is on this sin, righteousness, and judgment. Look at verse 7 if you're there in John 16. I tell you the truth, it's your vantage that I go. The helper won't come, but if I depart, I will send him to you. When he comes into this world, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Why? Verse 9, because they do not believe in me. They do not. I don't see anything about anything that people do except believing in Christ involved here, do you? When I convict of sin, it's why? Because you don't know Jesus. When I convict of righteousness, why? It's because you don't know Jesus. Let me tell you something. The word of God says in Isaiah that all of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags in his sight. You know why? Because it's all about the work of the Lord Jesus and what he's done. If I'll give you a homework assignment. Go to Revelation 20, 21, and 22 and see what happens at the great white throne judgment, what you're judged for. I think it's in chapter 20, but it'll tell you twice your works. Never mention sin. You want to know why? Sin was judged on the cross. So whenever you stand beside that throne, those who are in Christ don't get judged. You're through because the righteousness of God is in you. And you believed in Christ. Those who did not have Christ and they stand there, they will be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that is works. Sins and righteousnesses are the things that you do in this life. And if you do not rely upon the righteousness of Christ, 
then what you're saying is, I will stand on my own merit. And so now you stand there being judged of your own sins and convicted of your righteousnesses, which are like filthy rags, and none of them are worth anything, only the righteousness of Christ. God said, he that knew no sin came and bore my sin, took it upon himself, and became my sin on the cross so that I might become the righteousness of God in him. Our righteousness is in him and of nothing that we have done. And if you are not in Christ, then your sin, your righteousnesses come into judgment. Why? Because it says, why judgment? Because the, the, the evil one has come, the ruler of this world. That means you've followed your father, the devil, instead of the son of God that was given to take away sins and to give you his righteousness. And so you get the same penalty that he is getting. You're either going to where Jesus is or going to where the other one is. And that's what he says. And then he says this. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them right now. But when he, the spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you to all truth, for he will not speak from his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare that to you. And as our praise team comes on back up, and I too have many more things to say. Like I said, I wanted to cover so much more. But we're going to suffice it for this week. And same bat time, same bat channel. You remember, you remember that back in the day? <laughs> They'd get you right up to the cliffhanger. I want to tell you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And who, who that was and how it happened. And a little bit about how he put Jesus through this life. And then us and some fruits of the Spirit. But many more things to say, but no more time. Come back next week. Bring somebody with you because they need to hear this. They're going to need to have this help with them as they go through life, okay? And so as we close and we get together next week, once you know this from John chapter 3, everything that Jesus has tried to tell us through this is this. You must be born again. That's what he told Nicodemus of the water and of the spirit. That which is born of flesh is going to stay of flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is of the Spirit. That whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have eternal life. He that believes in Him is no longer condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And I pray that the Holy Spirit has convicted your hearts along with mine in this first part of the study to, to be in fellowship with him, to walk in the light as he is in the light, and to have that fellowship and the blood to continually cleanse us from our sins and to, to have that, that ministry of the helper, the comfort of the Holy Spirit helping me and guiding me and leading me. And I pray that if you do not have that, if you've no, not named Jesus, don't let another day go by that you do not name him and get this supernatural help that we have, the comforter, 
carry us through. And let's pray. And Father, about everything that we had today was the words of your son. And it concerned life. And what happens after he is taken away and the intensification comes. And Father, we've been so blessed for so long. And I pray that we still are. I pray that, that, that you continue to bless us. But I know one thing. That no matter what, we have a comforter. And that we have your word. And we have supernatural help. And no matter what happens, may I be like those Hall of Fame characters of Hebrews 11. That like Daniel... He went ahead and prayed at that window anyway, even though it, he knew it was going to cost him a lion's den. But guess what? You brought him through it, didn't you? And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, we're not going to bow down to the one who can kill the body but doesn't determine where my soul goes. And be it known, O king, that even if you are able to do what you think you want to do, our God was able to deliver us anyway, even if he just this time didn't decide to do it. May we have that kind of conviction, Lord, to endure. But may your blessings be upon this nation. May you allow us the chance to be your ambassadors and your light. And may we now try to decide to make a difference in our homes, in our community, in our nation. And yea, a light to the world so that you are glorified, you are exalted and many souls are one to Christ. Father, help us in this. We need your help. And we thank you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen.